Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, the book of Mark chapter number eight this evening, the book of Mark chapter number eight this evening. I'll ask you if you will please stand one more time to your feet in reverence of the reading of God's precious holy word, Mark chapter number eight, and we're looking in verse number one tonight, Mark chapter eight, verse number one. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes. And he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. That's the reading of the scripture, Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, if correctly read. Father, I ask one more time, Lord, that you might help me to preach. Father, I'm honest. You called me to preach years ago. And Lord, as far as the ministry is concerned, Lord, I can't. I never could. Lord, I'm willing to try, but God, it's going to have to be by you. So here it's me again, asking you for your help. God, would you touch me? Lord, would you touch the people tonight that we're trying to preach to? God, would you open their ears spiritually and allow them to hear? God, speak to their heart. God, give them that which they need tonight to hear. Feed their soul, Lord, I pray, just as you fed this multitude with bread that we know not of. Touch God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Many years ago, probably near 30 years ago, God had just called me to preach. I just started preaching and one by one little revivals had asked me to come. What an honor it was to get asked to go preach here, there, yonder. And I don't know if y'all know where California Creek Baptist Church is, but as you get back towards the Mars Hill area and turn right and head back over towards Irwin, Tennessee, on the old road, there is a little church there called California Creek Baptist Church. The pastor's name was Eb Jenkins, E-B-B, Eb Jenkins. And Brother Eb, he asked me if I'd come preach revival there. And, and I got up and I preached out of the book of Mark, chapter number 6. And, and you can look at it tonight if you have your Bible. I preached verses uh, 34 through verse 44, uh, that revival meeting. And when I finished, God moved in a mighty way. We had soul saved, rededications. I was uh, just excited to pieces. I, I, I was driving home late that night. I mean, people were testifying. We didn't get out of church till 10 o'clock. You may say, Preacher Darren, you're telling us the first revival you preached, you preached till 10 o'clock. Honest people's testifying. God was moving. It was incredible. And I was driving home. I prayed all the way. God, show me what to do for tomorrow night. God, show me what to do for tomorrow night. 
I got nothing. I went to bed that night. I, I, I woke up in the night, got on my knees. God, show me what to do for tomorrow night. God, give me a message for tomorrow night. I don't know what to do, Lord, for tomorrow night. I just couldn't get it. I, I went to work the next morning. I worked at a place called Steelcase. Worked all day. I got home. I, I, I tried to study the scriptures more, and I left to go to that church again that night, and I absolutely had nothing. Try being a preacher, preaching revival, and you got nothing. And so I went on the front row of the church there. And, well, preacher Darren, you got a whole Bible. Don't tell me you got nothing. I'm telling you, if you know what I'm talking about, if you're a teacher or a preacher, you're not going to get up and do it on your own. It's got to be of God. And if he doesn't give you something, you can't talk your way out of it. And I knew that. And I was sitting on the front row there. And I had my Bible. And I looked back at the text out of Mark chapter 6. I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? The congregation is singing. They had like y'all had tonight an altar choir that come up. And I know they thought, Lord, that preacher's thumbing through his Bible. What in the world's wrong with him? Is he not prepared? Listen, I was just a young guy. I didn't have all these messages that you just pull out of a hat somewhere, you know. And I'm sitting there and I flipped through my Bible and I looked at Mark chapter 8 and started reading again. Here's another place that Jesus fed a multitude and God said, I want you to get up tonight and preach on. I'll do it again. Let me just say this tonight. This is the title of the message for tonight. Jesus can do it again. We see in Mark chapter 6, he said that he fed a multitude of 5,000 men, not to mention the women and the children with five loaves and two fishes. And you turn to Mark chapter number 8, and now he's feeding a multitude of 4,000 men, not to mention the women and the children, with seven loaves and a few fishes. And I've just found this out. Jesus can do it again. Now I want to say tonight, my outline's different than it was that night. It's been 30 years. My outline's different. I'll tell you how it's different. I didn't have one that night. <laughs> I just got up and preached. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was in a mess. And God moved. And, and you know what he did? He saved double what he did the night before. You know what he showed me? I'll do it again. And then some. Amen. That's what ought to title this. He'll do it again and then some. Amen. So oftentimes Jesus puts his disciples in situations where it requires faith. Have you seen that in your own life? He puts you in a situation... And it requires you to step out. Get out of your comfort zone. Put your trust in him. Look to him. You're going to be in trouble if you don't. You remember in Mark chapter 5 when the disciples, uh, they've come over with Jesus to the other side of the sea. And when they stepped on the shore, there was a man up in the graveyard screaming and cutting himself and flipping over tombstones. And he come tearing down the hill towards them. And them disciples are backing up, back to thinking about getting back in the boat. And Jesus stepped up and confronted that man. And he said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And the Lord cast the demons out of that man right before their very eyes. Those men had enough faith to see Jesus cast demons out of somebody. Hey, how many of y'all know tonight he has power over the supernatural? Amen. And we can look further back in Mark chapter number 6. There's another time the Lord says, I want y'all to get in the boat and we're going to go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. Except this time, I'm going up in the mountain to pray and y'all sail across the sea. And they said, okay, we're fishermen. We've done it before. And the first thing you know, they get in a storm like they've never been in before. So much so they feared for their life. Listen, it's one thing for my boat to be in a storm, but it's another thing for the storm to get in my boat and my boat getting filled. And now I'm going down and the waves are pushing against me. And just when I'm ready to give up, the Bible says Jesus saw them from the mountain where he was praying and he came walking to them on the water. And he would have passed them by and they cried out for him out of fear. And he turned and he said, be of good cheer. It is I, 
Be not afraid. Simon Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. He said, come on. Simon Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk to the Lord. Amen. I'm just telling you, the Lord puts us in situations uh, that we have to have faith. Sometimes there are supernatural forces come against us that we know not of. Sometimes there are storms that come against us. I'm glad that Jesus can still speak peace to the storm, amen, and cause the storm to stop. It's raging against me. And then we see in Mark chapter 6, as I previously mentioned, there were the disciples and they had this crowd of 5,000 men and the Lord and the disciples said, send them away, Lord, so they can go into the town and buy themselves some bread to eat. And Jesus said, you give them to eat. Well, how are we going to feed 5,000 men and not to mention the women and the children? Y'all realize there could have been 20,000 people there? I mean, we're probably hopefully going to have 100 to 120 back here tonight. We're going to feed them pancakes. But what if the Lord said, I want you to feed 20,000 people, Bethel. You'd be calling every restaurant around, every woman, every man around to get them to come down here and to get into active service. And they'd say, well, we can't get food distribution until such and such. You're in a remote location and we're going to go to Asheville, Charlotte, going to try to get all this food popped in here to get her done. And I'm telling you, somebody will probably start grumbling saying, that's not in the budget. We can't feed 20,000 people. Hey, Jesus said, you give them to eat. And they said, Lord, we can't do it. I mean, we've got inadequate resources, Lord. Lord, we're, we're in a bad place here. I mean, Lord, we don't have the money. We're, we don't have the, the time. What are we going to do? He said, what do you have? What do you mean, what do we have? We don't have nothing. He said, go and see. And they went out through the multitude and found one little boy. And he said, well, I got five loaves and two fishes, but really it's just five Ritz crackers and two little sardines. And they brought him to Jesus and said, Jesus, here's five loaves and two fishes, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, give them to me. Son, I want to tell you something. The best thing you'll ever do is get your problem out of your hands and press it into his hands. Take what little resources you got, put it out of your hands and put it into his hands and watch what he'll do. You may come in here tonight and say, Preacher Darren, I've got absolutely nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm unable. I'm inadequate. We're just, Preacher, we're, we're in a bad place. Let me tell you something. Look around and see what you got. Are you saved? Do, you, do your feet still walk? Do your legs still move? Do your arms still wave? Does your mouth still open? Hey, take what little ability you have and give it to the master and watch what he'll do with it. Amen. Oftentimes, I'm just trying to stress this before I preach. Oftentimes, the Lord will put you in a situation where it requires you to have faith. Faith for his supplies. Faith for victory over the supernatural forces that oppose us. Amen. Faith to overcome storms that come against us. Once again, in Mark chapter number 8, we see the disciples being tested. It's an exam time, one more time. I want us to see, first of all tonight, I want us to see the captivated crowd. Chapter 8, verse 1. Now, Jesus has been recently in a region called Tyre and Sidon, and he leaves that area and he goes to another area called Decapolis. Deca means ten. It's a city of ten cities that are linked together. They're Gentile cities. How many of you know, according to Old Testament and New Testament, that the Gentiles and the Jews didn't have anything to do with one another? The Jews hated the Gentiles, said they were unclean, unworthy, dead dogs. And the Gentiles didn't want anything to do with the Jews because they were holier than thou. 
And so there's racial problems in that day and age. And Jesus has gone to the Jews through Galilee and Capernaum and Judea and they've rejected him. He's been to Nazareth, Bethlehem, Bethsaida. They've rejected him. Now he's walking through Gentile regions. And as he does, there's crowds that's gathered around him. The Bible said in verse number 9, there were 4,000 of the men that had gathered there in that place. And the crowd now, they've been with Jesus. The Bible says in verse 2, they've been with him for three days in a Bible conference, I guess. And on the third day, they've run out of materials. They've run out of supplies. They have absolutely nothing to eat. How many of you know that they didn't have a Walmart in that wilderness? How many of you know there was not a Sam's Club in that region they were in? They were in a terrible, terrible place. What on earth are they going to do? And the multitude is following Jesus. Now, there's a lot of people today. Here's people that's followed Jesus for three days. A lot of people have trouble committing to him just for a one-hour worship service on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Amen? Well, I just can't get to Sunday school preaching there because I really struggle. That one hour is absolutely killing me. But you'll volunteer for overtime when you got your bills to pay, man. Jesus is teaching the crowd. And obviously, I think he's probably healing people as well. And they're outside of town, and the crowd is just captivated. They're just drawn to him. They're mesmerized by him. They love to hear him teach and preach. And now, in this isolated wilderness, they have no way to provide for themselves. They are a captivated crowd. Number two, I want us to see the compassionate Christ. He says in verse 2, I have compassion on the multitude because they've been now with me for three days and they have nothing to eat. They've three days been hearing Jesus consecrated teaching the word of God. And Jesus didn't just sense their need, he felt their need. (laughs) He was compelled to do something about it, amen? Now, in Mark chapter 6, when Jesus fed 5,000, that crowd was predominantly Jews. But in Mark chapter 8, when he's getting ready to feed 4,000, that crowd is predominantly Gentiles. Now, the disciples are there, and they're hearing Jesus have compassion on them, and he says in verse 3, if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. In other words, they've come this far, and now they've got to go all the way back with nothing to eat. Fasting, three days, and they're going to wilt in the sunshine. They're not going to make it. Jesus knows about their problem. How many of y'all tonight can say amen that Jesus was going to take care of those Gentiles just as much as he's taking care of those Jews? Race does not matter to Jesus. He makes no difference. The Bible says uh, uh, that, that he come first to the Jews and then to the Greeks. Amen? That's what the Bible says. Now, we're, we're looking at our text here, this compassionate Christ. If I send them away, they're going to faint. He knew their need was great. He knew their need was immediate. He knew I'm not sending them away without providing for them. He knew they could not endure the journey on their own. His intent is to fully provide for their needs. May I say tonight that the Lord is not distant 
nor is he disconnected from what you're going through tonight. There are some of you that are here and you've heard me say with the title of the message, Jesus will do it again or Jesus can do it again and he can do it even better than he did it the first time. And the devil's come to you and says, well, okay, I'll give you that. You, you, you got a miracle somehow and he provided for you and he supplied for you, and, but that's in the past. And he's not gonna do it anymore because you just got lucky to be where you are. And he starts whispering to your little mind through your little ears, starting to insinuate, causing you to doubt, causing you to have fear that the God that's blessed you through the past will not bless you any further. The devil's a liar. Jesus will do it again and he will do it even better the second time that it was done the first time. He'll do it in a way that you could never even begin to explain. There is nothing too hard for my God tonight, amen? When I look in verse four, I see thirdly, the calloused companions. Verse four, his disciples, he's, he's saying, listen, I can't send them away. Verse four, his disciples answered him, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? Now these disciples are once again questioning Jesus' ability to provide. Although some time has passed since the last miracle of Mark 6, I don't think they've necessarily forgotten what the Lord did. I think they're saying those were Jews. I don't think he's going to do it for the Gentiles. And we sure don't want to help him because if we start helping him work with the church down the street, they'll talk about us. And we can't work together in conjunction with these unclean, defiled Gentiles. And they said, look, from whence, in other words, we're in an inconvenient place. Can a man satisfy these men? There's 4,000 of them with bread, inadequate resources. We don't have the money. We don't have the funds. And it's late in the day. We're in the wilderness. There's insufficient time. These disciples are callous to the needs of the people. I'm telling you tonight, there are churches that are callous to the needs of the people that are right there in the church with them under the steeple. They're callous to the needs of our communities that are dying and going to hell. We have got to find ways to reach out in the community and have events and things here that we might promote the gospel and encourage him to come into God's house. Our job is to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. And I'm telling you, that's the great commission, but we're turning it into the great omission because we don't want to invite people that are not just dressed or not just acting just like us. Hey, Jesus was willing there to deal with the Gentiles the same way he dealt with the Jews. Do not be a bunch of calloused companions of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fourthly, and I'll be done. I want you to see our commanding captain. Verse number five. He asked them, how many loaves have ye? Does anybody here know tonight that Jesus is asking that question not because he doesn't know the answer. He's asking that question to get them to take inventory 
on what they have. Tonight, I want to ask you, what do you have? Take inventory. I was talking to a man I mean, a couple years ago. Oh, he was so upset, been out of shape. I was trying to talk to him after service. And, and, and I mean, you, he was not even approachable about it. Finally, I said, I said, sir, I said, I'm really sorry to hear about your wife. He said, what about my wife? I said, she passed away. He said, my wife is still alive. I said, oh, okay. Well, I'm really sorry to hear about your children. What about my children? That some of them's dead and there's all kinds of sickness abounding everywhere. And my children are fine. Oh, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry that you lost your job and now you're not able to make your bills. And he said, I'm doing just fine. I said, sir, I'm sorry to hear about your health diagnosis that you probably just have a few days to live. He said, I have no problems. Sir, I'm sorry to hear that you're dying and on your way to hell. But I, he said, I'm saved. I said, you know, when you take inventory, you're doing a whole lot better than you thought you are. Amen? May I say tonight, you're doing a whole lot better than you think you are, amen? If you look where you are tonight and where he's brought you, I ought to take off running. Where he's brought you from, it'll put you on shouting ground and put you in a glory patch to know what Jesus has done for you, amen? He gets them to take inventory. He says, how many loaves do you have? I think they went through checking and they came back and said, we have seven loaves. Well, hallelujah. I tell you, I like the Longhorn Steakhouse. Man, I love the rolls, the bread. They give you a loaf of bread, just a little loaf of bread. Man, you saw that up, put some butter on there. Preacher, their butter's bad for you. You're right, it's bad, but it tastes good. And man, I, I, we just the other night, I, I went to the, to the Longhorn and got something to eat there to go. Just brought it back to the house. And man, I'm telling you, I thought about how many loaves have you? These are just little bitty loaves, about the size of my hands. They said we have seven of them. Seven of them. The word loaves here doesn't even indicate this big thing of bread. It really indicates just these little bitty wafers. We have seven little wafers amongst 4,000 people. Lord, what are you going to do with seven little wafers? You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to make us all ashamed. We're the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all we got, seven little loaves. I'm going to say this to you tonight. You need to realize how limited you and I really are. And you need to realize how lacking we really are. Preacher, I'm not lacking. I got all I need. You just said something a minute ago. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. If you think you can, and you, you preachers, you listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. If you think you can in the ministry... On your own, you can't. Oh, you might get up there and make a little talk and try to use your power to, 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 to talk to people, to persuade. I'm going to tell you something, to persuade people. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost upon you when you preach, it's null and void. I'm just going to tell you, the pastor of this church has been pastoring 20, almost 23 years here at this church. And, and seven years before that, preaching another place. I'm going to tell you something. In 30 years, I've learned one thing. I can't, but I know who can. And I have to humble myself every single day, multiple, multiple times a day to my commanding captain and say, Sir, I can't, but you can. And Lord, I want to give you what little I have. And Lord, would you exchange it with me for something that will work, something that's strong. The Bible says when he heard that news that they had seven, 
that is an interesting number. God's perfect number, amen. In verse six, the Bible said, he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. Now, he's got seven little wafers. What's he gonna do? He says, hey, y'all, sit down. In other words, I don't want you to do one thing. How many times have you seen a choir try to manufacture a service? How many times have you seen a preacher try to manufacture a service? How many times have you seen people try to manufacture a movement? What's he talking about? Standing right here. God had moved. Soul saved. Soul saved on this side. People still in the altar weeping. And a woman walks down the aisle. And I put my hand out. She grabbed me by the hand and she said, Preacher, the Lord has showed me to walk down the aisle. And where I stop, the person on that pew is lost and going to hell. I said, the Lord showed you to do that? Yes. I said, well, the Lord told me to tell you that if he didn't tell you, he's going to kill you. And you know what she did? She turned around and sat down on the front row. She was afraid to start back down the aisle again. You know why? God never told her. She was trying to thwart the service from what God was doing to what she could do. She's trying to manufacture the service. Honey, I'm, t- I don't, I'm not interested in being in a service of people. I'm interested in being in a service where Jesus is there. Amen. He commanded the people to sit down. You know what he said? Sometimes the best thing you and me can do is just sit down. Be still and know that I am God. Lord, what am I going to do? I've only got seven loaves. Why, why's my family going to eat? I got to manufacture. I got to get to work. I got to do something. I've got to contribute. You, you ever been to one of them dinners at the church? And everybody's just asked people to bring something. They say, always somebody. They have not got anything. And he said, well, come on and eat with us. We, we got this visiting. Come on and eat with us. We got took care of. No, 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 no. I'm not going over there. If I didn't bring something, I'm not going over there. Why don't you just sit down and trust God? Quit trying to do it yourself and quit trying to help God out. Quit, Lord, let me have one of them wafers over here. I'll say a few words over it, Lord, and I'll take it. No, sit down. The commanding captain said, sit down and trust me. You know how hard that is to do. You can't make your bills. You got a bad doctor's appointment. Man, you're worried to death about your kids. I mean, you're looking out the window all the time. You're constantly checking your cell phone. What, where are they at? What's going on? And God just says, sit down and trust me. I am in control. You are not. You are never in control. You just thought you were. Amen. I'll amen myself if I have to, amen. I'm just saying tonight, our commanding captain is telling us as a church, church, you think you can grow. You think you can mature. You think you can supply. You can't do nothing. Just sit down and trust me. (laughs) Amen. Watch this. He took the seven loaves and gave thanks. What about that? Everything must be put into his hands. How many of y'all know tonight the blessings Come from his hands. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above. Amen. It's got to come from the master's hand. He's given thanks. Preacher, dear, and I can't believe Jesus has given thanks for seven wafers. You know, I can just hear him saying, Lord, Father, thank you that once again you've provided. 
<laughs> and everybody's thinking, you got seven wafers. That's not even enough to cover your whole hand. And you're going to feed 4,000 men? Can't be done. Watch this. Father, thank you that you provided to feed the multitude once more. And after he blessed it and gave thanks, he began to break it and began to pass it, distribute it to his disciples, and they went and passed out to every man. And every man was satisfied, filled up. Hallelujah to God. Woo, don't you know, I think Richard Aaron, what kind of bread was it? It might have been angel's food cake. I don't know, amen. He gave to his disciples to set before them, and they did set them before the people, amen. And verse 7, and they had a few small fishes. Preacher, how big were they? He told us, small. Now, what's small to me? Depends on if you're fishing in the Gulf or fishing in the Atlantic Ocean or fishing in the Tow River. There's just different sizes of fish, amen. And we tell big fish tales. Oh, I caught one this big. It's a minner, amen. I just want to say to you, amen, I should have preached tonight on minners and muffins. That's what, he's, that's what he's passing out, amen, and the blessings of the Holy Ghost. They're sardine-sized little bitty fish, and he probably just given to some child, and he blesses them and passes that, that meat to the disciples, and it feeds 4,000 men. Look with me. Verse 8, so they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left, Seven baskets. The word here for baskets means it's like a hamper size. You know, size to put your dirty clothes in and, and your towels. It's, it's hamper size. Called, called, it's Sephora's is the word here for basket. They had seven baskets. For, listen, how many of y'all know that seven wafers and a couple little fish wouldn't have filled one basket to begin with until he blessed it, break it, gave thanks for it, and fed a multitude, and they still got seven baskets, hamper-sized baskets, left over. That's what our God can do. He can do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Amen. Verse 9, they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Having fulfilled their needs, having satisfied their desires, Jesus, knowing they're filled now, sends them on a journey. Man, the Holy Ghost, I was reading, the Holy Ghost said, you get in there and you get the preaching and you let me feed them, you let me fill them, and then you let me send them out of here on a journey and honey, they'll go a lot further on what I do than you think they will. Amen. Well, in closing, I want to ask you a couple questions. Are you willing to place your life in the master's hands? I promise you put your life in his hands. He'll bless you. He'll grow you. He'll strengthen you. He'll mature you. Amen. I did amen right here. He'll satisfy your soul. <laughs> do you doubt his ability to do it again? I ran across last week, not this week, last week, some skeptics, some doubters, some 
naysayers, some uh, negative Nellies, some Debbie Downers that uh, were specifically talking about Mark and how it didn't belong in the scripture and how that Mark was confused. And he got the stories of Mark 6 and Mark 8 mixed up. And it's really just one event, if at best. And Mark tried to stretch the truth and turn it into two. I just want to issue this statement in case a scoffer or a skeptic or a doubter or a negative Nelly is listening tonight and you say you've got you've been to school because you've got so many degrees behind your name that you could spell alphabet soup let me just read you the word of God in Mark chapter 8 I want to go a little further and I'm going to look at verse 15 This is Jesus. He charged them saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, It's because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he said to them, Why reason ye? Because you have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. Do you not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? They say unto him, twelve. Now now listen, I am reading to you the infallible, inspired word of God. And Jesus just said in verse 19, when I break five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets? The word for baskets is the word kofinos. Kofinos. It is a word that sounds like the word coffin. It's as big as a human. That's six feet long. It was a kofinos that Paul was lowered down over a wall in a basket to escape them killing him. It was a kafinus. When he took the five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000, they took up 12 kafinus full of baskets. Jesus specifically is reciting that event. Verse 20. And when the seven among 4,000 How many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they said, seven. Two different events. Preacher, that's what you say. No, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus, get it right. That's what Jesus said. Two different events. Look again, I wrote this in my Bible in the margin. Verse 19, the word is kafinas for baskets. Verse 20, the second miracle, the word spiras, which is S-P-Y. R-I-S, two different words. Kofinus is man-sized. Spiros or spiros is hamper-sized. The first miracle done for the Jews. Amen? The second miracle done for the Gentiles. Two totally different miracles that the Lord did in this situation. Amen? Hallelujah. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation 
to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The miracle in Mark 6 was done just outside of Bethsaida. The miracle in Mark 8 was done just outside of Decapolis. Two totally separate events. Woo! May I just say this tonight? Jesus got involved in their situation. Now I'm looking at somebody tonight and you got a little situation. You got a problem. You got a trouble. You got a diagnosis. You got a supply chain issue going on right now. What on earth my children going to do? I'm the parent. I'm the grandparent. My children are sure, what are we going to do? Honey, you need to sit down and trust God after you put it into his hands. Put it into his hands. Sit down. Trust God. Watch what he's going to do. Jesus is going to get involved. I'm glad tonight Jesus is involved in helping me preach. I'm glad tonight Jesus is involved in the works and the ministry of the Bethel Baptist Church. If it weren't, I wouldn't want to be here, amen. He is going to get involved. I looked this up. In New York City, a 28-year-old young lady got out of her car one night and she saw a man start running towards her from the shadows. She tried to run back to her car, but the man overran her, grabbed her, drug her up close to the building, started to stab her with her screaming bloody murder. Suddenly, right next to where he was, the light came on in an apartment inside and a window closed. The apartment next door beside that heard screaming, looked out, pulled the window down. He finished stabbing her left her for dead. When the police department came and got a report, 38 witnesses in the apartment building across the street or the one right in front of it said they saw it, heard it, and did nothing to help because they did not want to be involved. Jesus is going to get involved in your situation. George Barna conducted a poll. 63% of people that don't go to church are church members that no longer go to church because they don't care. That's their words. They have a lack of concern. I'll tell you what tonight. If Jesus gets involved in the lives of people to help them, the church should be preaching and ministering to become involved to help young people, people that are disadvantaged, people that are sinners and don't know anybody any better. We need to be involved in helping people. Well, preacher dear, I just don't know if he can do it. Honey, he'll not only do it, he'll do it again. And then some. You stand to your feet. You stand to your feet. I'm going to ask this question. Is there anybody not? I'm not, I'm not asking Miss Beverly to come play on a piano. Y'all have about preached me to death. I'm a sweat factory. I need to go to the altar myself because I have something that I have a, I have a burden. I, I have a need. I, I have a supply. 
And tonight I'm asking for it. And I'm not ashamed to ask him. Your head's bowed. You do what you need. If you need to come and ask him tonight for whoever you come, come on right now though. We're going to pray. Come on right now. Mind him. Preacher Aaron, I have something to ask my Savior for, for my family, for my grandkids, for my children. Lord, for, for, for my needs. Lord, I have a need tonight. Here I come. God bless y'all. On a Wednesday night, God bless y'all. I believe he can not only do it, but I believe he can do it and then some again. Father, here I am. I need your help. Lord, I have concerns, worries, needs that I feel are needs, things that need to be addressed. Lord, miracles that I'm seeking. God, there's investments and programs and things, God, that we need to be involved in. And God, when I look around, I see insufficient time and I see inadequate resources. And God, I see myself, when I see these disciples, said, what are we going to do that these people can have bread? What are we going to do, Father, that we can minister to the needs of this tri-county area? God, what are we, how are we going to do this? Lord, when I see these disciples, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm ashamed. Not of you, but of me. God, by faith, oh, it's growing, but it should be more mature. Fathers, I bow in your presence. Lord, I'm asking you, God, would you help us, Father? Would you get involved in the growth and the maturity in salvation of the souls of mankind? God, would you help us, Father, as we invest in the lives of young people? God, would you provide? God, would you supply? God, would you work it out? God, we're asking you. Lord, for the supernatural. And Lord, I know that the best thing I can do after I've asked is just sit down and trust you. So Lord, I take what little I have and I press it into your hands. Oh God, speak Lord, for thy servant heareth my children. God, I pray you'd continue to develop their walk with you. Father, I pray you'd open to them the pages of the Word of God and you would give them wisdom and knowledge of the blessings and the promises of eternal life and the riches of God in walking with you. God, I pray you'd teach them and show them these precepts. Lord, I pray for my wife tonight. God, that you'd touch her and help her, Lord, in her walk with you every day. God, I pray for this church, Father, this church is not mine. It belongs to you. <laughs> so God, we as pastor, we as I speak for this church, 
We desire you, God. We desire you to be amongst us and you to help us as we walk with you. Lord, I know it won't be easy, but God, it'll be blessed. And Lord, I pray you'd help us. We're looking to you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen.